Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you have been following along for a while, there was a story a while back. The OP had paid for a Disney trip for him and his girlfriend slash fiance, maybe? They broke up. She kept the trip, was engaged three months later, and we're pretty sure we have we have the ex-girlfriend's point of view. We're pretty sure that these stories are connected, and her side is just as freaking entitled as you would expect. We think we're not 100% positive, but we're like 97% positive that this is connected to the previous story that we had where OP was trying to, uh, trying to get his money back, and everybody that was commenting, trying to give him advice was saying, look, it was on your credit card, contact your credit card company, cancel the charges, and he was going to take her to court over this too. So keep that in mind. I'm sure you remember that story if you've been hanging around for a while. This one is, am I the ass cannot for telling my ex he's not getting his money back for the Disney trip he paid for? I am so excited. I'm so excited to have like the other side of this. I'm unreasonably excited. I, 26 female, and my ex, 28 male, Danny, had planned a Disney trip to celebrate my birthday, and he had agreed to cover 90% of the expenses with me paying the remaining 10%. Unfortunately, we broke up before the trip was scheduled to take place. Danny is now demanding either to come on the trip with me or get his money back. I don't feel this is right as he agreed to cover the majority of the costs. Additionally, my new boyfriend, Jimmy, 31 male, is telling me I don't have to repay Danny. Is Jimmy a judge? My sister, Wanda, 23 female, is advising me to pay Danny back to avoid legal issues. However, I disagree with her opinion as we had both agreed upon the terms of the trip before our breakup. I feel that it would be unfair for Danny to receive his money back since we both knew the risks involved when planning the trip together. Danny has threatened to take us to court, which has caused me unnecessary stress and anxiety. I don't feel he has a strong case as the arrangement was verbal and there was no formal contract in place. I'm saddened that Danny would even consider taking legal action against me over such a trivial matter. Am I the asshole for telling my ex he's not getting his money back for the Disney trip he paid for? Okay, if I remember correctly, this was some kind of gift for her. However, his name is on everything. So if he bought this, he paid for 90% of this, which means all of the tickets are in his name. So he books everything. They break up. How does she automatically get to keep everything? That's where I'm really confused. Is she just assumed ownership and says that she gets to keep everything? And this is also one of those situations where you have someone who just thinks that they're above the law. And I don't know if he has a case here since everything is in his name. I do think that he would have the ability to cancel the charges because the trip hasn't happened yet. But how did she get to keep it? Why wouldn't he get it? After all, he paid for all of it at this point. The 10% that she was going to cover, I guarantee Tia wasn't going to be until they were there. So everything pre-plan wise, he had covered. Also, Jimmy, Jimmy, you don't have to pay Danny back. <laughs> Jimmy, your opinion on this matter means jack shit, okay? You're the new guy. You're the new guy who's okay going to Disney on the ex-boyfriend's dime, and that says a whole hell of a lot about you, Jimmy, which is probably why she gave you the name Jimmy in this story. I can't imagine entering a relationship where this was going on and being okay 
going to Disney on the ex-boyfriend's dime, especially while there was conflict going on about him trying to get his money back for it. I can't imagine having the audacity to be okay with it, but even further jump in and be like, you don't have to pay him back. We should go to Disney on his dime. What kind of shit brick of a man does that make Jimmy? These two deserve each other, I can tell you that damn much. Disney's not really the vacation I have in mind for them, though. I have a different vacation in mind, and I think you know what I'm talking about. I have a different trip in mind. Let's refund the Disney tickets back to Danny, and instead, give OP here a consolation prize. She and Jimmy can go on this trip instead. It's just like Disneyland, only instead of castles and animals, there's just assholes. Assholes everywhere. Asshole rides. You can take pictures with assholes. There's even an asshole castle. It's amazing. It's really impressive. Just can't imagine just what kind of person is okay with this. And even more so, the new boyfriend, which she was engaged to and now might be married to. New boyfriend. Okay, they're not married yet, at least at the time of this post. She said, new boyfriend, Jimmy, 31 males, telling me we don't have to repay Danny. Of course. Of course. Sure. And some of the theories that were going around in the old story from Danny's point of view were that she had already decided that she was going to break up with him before this trip was even planned. She just hung around long enough to get her hands on the trip and then was like, deuces. Meanwhile, Jimmy, who's been waiting in the wings for years at this point, is like, babe, just hang in there a little while longer. We'll get the Disney trip and then jigs up. We can get out of there. And that's how it all worked out. Poor Danny. Holy shit, Danny. Danny, if this doesn't go your way, and if you end up going to court and the court tells you to suck it, which I don't think would happen, but it could happen, create a video and let's start a freaking GoFundMe for Danny. Danny needs to take a solo trip to Disney that is the most gosh heckin' amazing magical experience on the planet. Planet. And there needs to be a film crew there, of course, because someone has to cover it and be able to show OP, what's her bucket here, and Jimmy, how great of a time that he is having. The kicker with this gift is that it was a gift for them to share together. So in my opinion here, even, even in a legal matter, this gift she would only get to keep one seat of. So essentially, they would end up having to split it. But the gift was for them to do it together. If they're not together anymore, that gift no longer exists. And he would get a refund on everything. At maximum, he may have to give her like the cash value of her portion of that. But it was for them to go on together. So half of that gift was his. You see where I'm going with it? I mean, the whole, the whole contingency on the trip was that they were going on it together. And once they broke up, that gift is null and void. Null and void. They should have a fight to the death to see who gets to go. Undead person wins. That's probably what the court's going to recommend. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again with another AITA story for you, but this one isn't an AITA story at all. This one is actually a true off-my-chest subreddit story. So this one is, my wife, 31 female, asked me, 34 male, to choose between my mom, 55 female, and her, and I think I'm going to divorce her. He's choosing mom. He's choosing mama. No matter which way 
well, which reason this goes, this is red flag worthy. A little background, my mom and dad were both orphans. My dad died two weeks before I was born. My mom didn't really have a support system, so we were just the two of us. I never lacked anything because my mother worked all her life to give me the life I have today and didn't even have time for herself to start a new life again. She did all the little jobs possible so that we didn't miss anything. She deprived herself of food to give me food. I had very good clothes while she had none. I saw her make sacrifices again and again and always with a smile. Frankly, I always thought she was an angel dressed in a human body. The only time she yelled at me was when I was 16, when I saw her getting sick and working at the same time. I wanted to help her by finding a job, but she was angry and told me it's not my job to take care of her, it was up to her to take care of me. She wanted me to get really good grades to get into the best universities. It's the only way I can protect myself when she can't anymore. Even at university, she didn't want me to work. I had to be focused on my studies, but she wanted me to volunteer so that I could be an adult who could do something with his hands. I met my wife there while both of us were volunteering. My wife is a good person, but she was never close to her parents and her siblings. Yet she adored my mother since she met her. There were times when I thought she loved my mother more than she loved me, and we laughed about it. Deep down, I think she was looking for the bond between mother and daughter that she did not have from her mother. When I finished my studies, I found a job. We moved in together, but she wasn't comfortable that I call my mom every day. Mind you, those were 10 to 15 minute calls, but eventually she stopped bringing it on. Two years later, I bought a house for my mother because we never had a house in our name. We lived from apartment to apartment. So for all the sacrifices she made, it was for me the least of it, and it was non-negotiable. That's where the problem started with my wife, then girlfriend. She wanted me to think about us first. I told her my dream had always been to buy my mom a house since I was little, and that's what I had to do. But she complained about it to my mom. My mom didn't even know I bought a house for her as it was supposed to be a surprise for her birthday. Oh, wife, you are not helping this situation here. She was uncomfortable receiving the house because my wife and told me that it wasn't necessary and that we could use it for us when we get married. I was furious. I told my mother that the house was for her, that she could do with it whatever she wanted, but it was time for her to think about herself first. Our couple survived that. We got married and then we had our own house. Our life was going well until two months ago when my mother fell ill. I wanted her to come live with us so that I could take care of her, but my wife didn't want to. I then decided to rent an apartment with my own money right next to our house so that I could be close to her and go there to take care of her. But even that idea didn't sit well with my wife. Me and my wife don't have children yet, we both work. I usually come home at 6 p.m. But since my mother is sick, I go to see her and come home at 8 p.m. On weekends, I see her for one or two hours and the rest of the time I spend with my wife. We go on dates. I always accompany her and her hobbies, even though she never went to mine. Two days ago, she told me that she thought about it and she thinks I prioritize my mother too much. She told me that I had to choose between my mother and the life I want to build with her. The truth is that I never made her feel that way. We both work, but I'm the one who cooks and I pay a person to do the housework. I make sure I do the dishes she likes. She didn't even know what I like to eat because I never complain. I run her baths, give her massages, flowers. I write her poems that I hide in the house somewhere for her to find out. We go on a trip one week in a month. I earn much more money than her. I told her to keep her money for herself and I take care of all the bills, even hers. I always make sure to listen to her and consider her opinion. And I think I am easygoing because I can change my mind to accommodate hers. But I realize that she tries to completely dominate me and the only subject where I don't give her a choice is my relationship with my mother. So there, I'm going to have a talk with her and put some very clear boundaries. If she doesn't want to, well, we're going to divorce. Just want to get it off my chest. Okay, so at the beginning of the story, in the title, it says my wife asked me to choose between my mom and her and I think I'm going to divorce her. At that point, it's like, oh, 
Bro, bro, you choose why. However, this story turns all of that around. This is the one time, the one situation where I can see that not being the case. This is the one time where I can see where being a mama's boy is the best possible solution to everything here because he is a mama's boy, but he's a mama's boy because he wants to repay her what she gave to him. He's a mama's boy because he respects the sacrifice that was made by her his entire life. And now he's at a point where he wants to give back. But he's not doing it to the detriment of his partner at all. He is taking nothing away from her to do this. She just wants complete control. As much attention and focus as he gets to her, she's still number one. Mom doesn't dominate as much time as she does. Mom's not getting her baths drawn. Mom's not getting poems. Mom's not getting gourmet meals. Mom's not getting a housekeeper mom's not getting all of this stuff, but she still thinks that he prioritizes her over her. I would think if I were a lady, a man who respects and loves his mother and does everything he can to help make sure that she's taken care of would be a really good sign, but she's taking it as a, if 1% of your attention is going somewhere other than me, I just cannot stand it. Maybe that's the case here. This isn't an AITA story. That doesn't matter. We're still gonna we're still gonna send Wifey off to ask on one here because this is a shit person thing to do. He's not taking anything away from her at all. She just wants all the attention. She wants all of it. She wants everything. She wants everything. His mom's not doing well. So even if this shit person who wanted everything could just play the patient path here and wait, eventually his mom's going to pass and then she could have all of the attention that she ever wanted from him, but she couldn't wait. She just had to speak up and be like, you know what? I don't like that you gave your mother so much attention. I want some of that. And he's like, what? Wait, I, I cook for you. I run your baths. I give you massages. I write poems for you and hide them throughout the house what more could i possibly do for you she's like i don't know we'll find out when that percentage frees up she sounds like a nasty biatch to me man this is the best possible case of mama's boy that you will ever see what happens if they have kids what happens if they get a pet i mean what we're seeing in this scenario is that anybody anybody or anything that requires attention to be diverted from her and not even diverted she's not losing anything here but in his sphere of focus she wants it to be 100 her and anything else that interferes with that at all is the enemy so what her her kids are going to end up being the enemy if they ever have kids if he comes home with the dog is that dog now the devil because it's it's going to get a percentage point of focus that's an unhealthy way to look at things Ooh, katie good point what happens if she has to take care of him the shock for her would be that she would learn have to learn how to take care of herself i mean if something happens to him and or if if they get divorced and She's not going to have this person catering to her and doing all of these things for her. That's going to be a major shock. And maybe a taste of that is what she needs to understand how much she needs to be appreciating the life that she has right now and the amount of focus that she's receiving from you here, OP. Maybe a couple of weeks of you not being around to do those things for her is just what the doctor ordered. I'm not saying it's going to fix things because it sounds like at this point, this is her worldview and changing worldviews is difficult, but giving her a taste before making a final decision about what you're going to do with your life here might be a damn good idea. And it could be the change. It could be the pain that is needed to create change. Could be. Yeah, they also say this, a daughter is a daughter for life, a son is a son until he finds a wife. And and I'm certainly not the victim of that. I'm the villain of that, where life just gets so damn busy that I don't talk to my mom every day. I should. Hi, mom. Love you. 
Sometimes she watches these on the Facebook side. I love her and I would talk to her every day if I had the ability to do that. But we see each other. We see each other at least weekly, I think. So, wife's an ask on one. We covered that. Um, this guy, I mean, this guy just seems like a stand-up guy. The amount of energy that it would take to not all, I don't know what he does for a living, but to to also kick ass at whatever he's doing because he seems to be doing very well, but also to show so much devotion to his partner and his mother, that's an insane amount of effort. Wow, this guy's a beast. A beast of a mama's boy. Like, he rocks it. Better than any any other mama's boy story I've ever seen. He sets the bar. He set the bar to a point that uh, that's difficult for the rest of us to achieve. So thanks for that, asshole. But it's it's not a bad asshole kind of way. It's like a you're too good. You're too good at this, man. You're too good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder with another AITA story for you. This one is an actual AITA story, and it is Am I the Askonaut for cooking food while my roommate's girlfriend was here and offering her some? How dare you? How rude. I, 21 male, am from the South. I grew up in New Orleans and Texas. My mom runs a catering business, and the majority of clients were either at home in Louisiana or in Texas. I add this to say that I grew up cooking and helping my mom cook for the business. I was frying chicken and catfish when I could reach the stove, making gumbo and buttermilk biscuits at a very young age. I'm currently in culinary school right now. I've lived in a rented house on the East Coast with my roommate, 22 male, for a year and a half. He's not a friend or anything. We just linked up because we both needed roommates in the area. He's good to live with and we watch shows and movies together. We go out and go for drinks sometimes. I have always made friends easily because of being from the South and doing customer service related things since I was a kid. I know how to talk and charm and listen to folk despite naturally being more in the introverted spectrum. My roommate has been seeing his girlfriend, 20 male, for like six months. I've met her before and seen her in passing. Roommate and his girlfriend had a two-week break from school. She still lives with her parents, so she decided to stay here the whole two weeks. I was just doing things as I would normally do. It got weird at first when I was about to go mow the lawn and the roommate stopped me and said he wanted to mow. I usually always mow. A couple days later, I was outside washing my car. I asked both of them if they wanted me to do theirs. She looked like she was going to agree, but he looked at her angrily, so they declined. I cook pretty frequently at home as well and usually let my roommate have some. So anytime I'd make some, I would just say that they could have some and this would get him pissed. Weeks prior when she was here and we were all talking, she'd mentioned this specific kind of cheesecake that she really likes. So I made and sent out a group text that everyone could have it. My roommate got upset. I don't see anything as overstepping boundaries as this is how I treat him and all guests. The other day he told me how annoying it is to hear his girlfriend talk about how good your roommate's fresh baked bread is. I'm not trying to make him look bad or anything. This is simply how I was raised. If I bake two loaves of bread, I'm going to leave it out for the house to eat. Edit, the cheesecake is just common courtesy type of thing to me. When his parents come over, I made a pound cake because they like it. If a guest is coming, you get or make what they like. Nothing odd about picking up their favorite chips or making some tea when guests arrive. That's just how I was raised. You know that's sweet tea too and you know that's damn good sweet tea. 
Edit, while this is blown up, just want to say we generally have a good roommate relationship. We're not best friends, but it's friendly enough. The only change has been when his girlfriend is here. So LOL, no, I'm not looking for new roommates or to be adopted or to move, but thanks. Here are some more things that upset him. I went to the grocery store and asked if anyone needed anything. I was frying chicken and offered the first slash best pieces out of the oil to them. I changed the oil to my own car. I used a smoker in the backyard to make brisket. I grill and smoke in the backyard and needed a piece of wood cut into a certain way to hold something up. I cut and nailed some wood together in the garage. Feels like I can't even exist while she was here. Final edit, I tend to see the good and best in people. So I was just not seeing him as being very insecure and was trying to look at this in more of a positive light. But he just texted me and said that I greet his girlfriend in too kind of a way and it's annoying that I say, be safe when she leaves the house. I say this to him and everyone when they tell me they're going somewhere. He sent me a long text detailing it's bad that I look in her eyes when she's talking to me. Maybe it's time for a new roommate. Maybe it's time for your current roommate to get therapy because Brozo is the most insecure person that I've ever heard of. What do you... uh, No one is allowed to do anything that my girlfriend likes. Ever. Unless it's me. What a narrow-minded, insecure sad way to live. Can you imagine living a life like this where it's like all of these great things are happening around you and instead of enjoying them, instead of enjoying them and showing appreciation for them and the people who do them, you're just like, no, no, no. Could you please not do that? I can't have anyone else looking good. How does this guy exist? And why is he so insecure? We're not going to find that out from this story, but there's got to be a reason that he is this insecure. But my God, he is just right in his roommate's ass trying to get him to do nothing that is impressive at all. And it's not like his roommate is trying to impress his girlfriend. He's just a Southern boy doing Southern boy things. Guess what? People like it. Get over it. Freaking insecure roommate. If you kick your roommate out, does he get his insecurity deposit back? Opie, NTA here. Let's just make it official. Opie, not the asshole at all here for being a kind human. He's part of the DFHB club, the decent human beings club. He's just doing his thing and showing appreciation and good manners. Meanwhile, his insecure roommate can't have anybody looking good at anything. He's going to be like, um, hey, bro, my girlfriend's coming today. Could you please like wear this trash bag around and just go ahead and just smear poo all over your face if you don't mind. Don't cook anything. Don't say anything. Don't. Don't look her in the eye. Don't do anything. I just need you to like lay in the yard and stink. That's all you're allowed to do. He's setting the bar real, real, real low for himself. And instead of rising to the occasion here and what a normal person would do would be like, hey, this is awesome. Guess what? My girlfriend enjoys this. She enjoys this environment. She enjoys these things. And this is my roommate thus connected to me. So she likes being here more because my roommate is an added bonus. It's added value to her relationship with me, not a detriment to it. Ah! Insecurity is a thing. I get it. And it's, it's hard to control, but man, whenever, whenever you start trying to suppress the people around you, because you just can't handle them being good at things when your girlfriend is around, it's time for some therapy. Actually, I would say it's time for you to be alone for a long, long, long time until the point where you're happy being alone and you don't need need someone else and you're you're happy with yourself. Roommate here is going to have to get to a point where he's happy with himself before he can handle being in a relationship because this kind of insecurity doesn't just go away on its own unless she's done something to make him this insecure. I don't think that's the case though. I think this is just who he is based on how friggin' bad it is. He's going to have to be alone long enough to be happy with himself for this to go away. And that's going to be a painful path, but it's possible. Let's talk about where 
Mr. Insecure Roommate goes, this is an insecurity thing that means that he's not happy with himself. He's going to have to get to the point where he is okay with him so he doesn't have to try to smash all everyone around him just so they don't set the bar up higher. Here's, here's the difference. Here's where it teeters between ASCON 1 and 2. If he actually attempted to do something about this to, to work on his insecurity and to get better on himself instead of trying to have the whole world adjust to his insecurity, I would say ASCON 2. Maybe even lower. But that's not his play. For some reason, he's decided that the thing that makes the most sense and requires the least amount of effort is for him to try to suppress the entire fucking world around his girlfriend so that he doesn't have to he doesn't have to adhere to the benchmark and we all know that's not the case that's not how it works her getting impressed by anything does not immediately mean that he has to surpass that in his own way no he just he needs to be his freaking self he needs to be his gosh dang self man gosh heckin' what tell you what this is a good old southern boy just sitting here you know just just being a host and uh, you know just doing what he knows to do showing people appreciation being kind to everybody and uh, and this old insecure roommate right here is just uh, you know he's got some issues tell you that he's got some issues i'm calling him ask on one here we're gonna send him all the way up because his play instead of trying to work on himself has been to suppress the entire friggin world so that he doesn't have to try harder brozo you need to be alone for a while man you need to be alone to the point where you don't need someone else, but also to the point where you're happy with yourself. Then and only then can you be truly happy in a relationship with someone else. Right now, there's going to be way too much stress put on you, her, especially her, and everyone around you. You're putting way too much pressure on everyone right now because you are refusing to deal with your own insecurities. And that is not a sustainable structure. It is not going to last no matter what, you may get to a point where it lasts a couple of years. It's not going to last eternity. And the relationship that you eventually want to be in is one that will last eternity. So you've got to get this right, man. You've got to fix the foundation of things before you can start building upward. Do it. Do it. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again with another AITA story for you. This one is, am I the astronaut for expecting to eat half of any leftovers? My 32 female, husband 36 male, and I have been having a disagreement about how leftovers should be split. For example, I made an apple cobbler last night that we had for dessert after dinner. Today I mentioned having some more and he said there's not much left because he was snacking on it after I went to bed. I told him that the rest of the cobbler is mine and he better not eat it, which he thought was unfair. He thought the process is that any food we have is first come first serve. While I believe we should each only expect to eat about half of whatever food is made. I also think that since I'm the one who found the recipe, went to the store, bought the ingredients and cooked the food, I shouldn't have to rush to eat it just so that I'll be able to enjoy it. So am I the astronaut for expecting to be able to eat half of the food that I cooked? I may be the asshole because it may take me a few days to eat my half, and I get mad if he eats any more after he's had his half, even if it's been a couple of days since he's had any. Am I the asshole for expecting to eat half? of any leftovers. This is interesting. So they have, there's a structure. There's at least the need for a structure for their leftovers. And I haven't 
really thought about this. We don't have a structure. It's it's pretty much a it's in there unless there's some kind of designated purpose for it, which is rare. Then it would be a first come first serve kind of thing. Dessert might be a little bit different. But this is also just a communication thing. You guys got to get on board on the same page with what structure you're taking here. Maybe it's just some foods that this applies to. It sounds like OP is saying that this is everything. This should apply to all leftovers. There should be this leftover system. And if that's the case, maybe you need to start taking halves and putting them in two separate containers and putting your flipping name on it if it's this big of a deal. If it is an issue, that's a potential solution that, that would prevent you from having problems, from losing part of your half or whatever the issue is there. But if you're like the rest of the world, I assume is, which is like our house, we keep leftovers that we shouldn't keep. And then a week later, we're like, just throw that shit out. So if somebody in our house is going to eat the leftovers that otherwise will be forgotten about, then we'll have to throw away. I'm the designated clean out the nasty container guy because that's one of Candy Thunder's phobias, like just the, the nasty food in containers and like food getting stuck in the sink and the disposal and that kind of stuff. That's that's one of her phobias. So I'm the guy. If somebody's going to take the initiative to eat that so I don't have to deal with that later on, freaking more power to you. Eat all that you want. The only territorial thing in our house is cosmic brownies. And if you really want one, you better hide it. You think I'm joking. I'm kind of joking. If there's something that you want designated, then uh, then put it in a different container and label it. This is interesting. Do you guys have, do you have a structure for, for leftovers in your house? It was cobbler. Dessert might be a different thing. Dessert might be a, like you just need to divvy it up down the middle. If you guys both care about it and both want your portions. Otherwise, I think there's a statute of limitations on leftovers. Is there not? Maybe not a statute of limitations. There's like a shelf life thing where, okay, within the first 24 hours, maybe it's like half and half. After X time or X many days, it's fair game. Just get it the hell out out of there. Desserts might be a different issue. Okay, there there are 32 and 36. There's no mention of if they have children or not because the approach to leftovers probably changes once you have kids involved. When you are 32 and 36 with no kids, I can imagine it needing to be more structured because your food can have more of your focus and attention and it's more it's more intentional at that point. We've got five kids and at this point it's like, did I eat today? I can't remember. We've had the kids, so we're good. But did we eat? I can't remember. It's way less of a big deal, I think, when you get to a certain size of family. There's some comments going on about, uh, you know, like, why why is this a big deal at all? This seems like a petty, stupid thing to be arguing about. And maybe it is. But for them, it is something that that they butt heads on. And it's something that, that he has obviously crossed the line on. And they need some kind of structure on here. So this comes down to a, you guys need to communicate and come up with a plan that you can agree on. And that plan, you both follow, and that's it. And that's problem solving for marriage moving forward. You know, my plan is to to not say anything in a, a stupid tone that gets me into trouble with Candy Thunder. And I'm trying to follow that, but sometimes I forget. They need some kind of actual official plan that they both put in writing. Freaking put it on the refrigerator so that no one forgets. Some kind of structure. Get different colored containers or something. I don't know. But but you guys need to come up with something that you agree on because this is causing conflict. And if you don't solve this issue, like it could grow. This could grow and become a bigger deal to your relationship. And how how silly will you feel if three years from now, someone's like, so why did you guys get a divorce? leftovers yeah you can communicate through this you can do it
Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again, and I've got another AITA story for you. This one is, am I the astronaut for telling my mother-in-law if my husband's baby mama goes on vacation with us, then I will not go. Well, this doesn't sound complicated at all. Mm-mm. All right, so I'm not going to say much backstory besides my husband, John, fake names, has a six-year-old daughter, Sophie, from a previous relationship. He was with her mom, Emma, from when they were 14 till 19. They had Sophie when they were 18 and they weren't together, but they were messing around until I came along. I've been with my husband for three, almost four years, and we've been married for a year with a nine-month daughter, and I'm currently 15 weeks pregnant with another daughter. Oh, my how would you like to have a nine month old and be 15 weeks pregnant? That doesn't sound like a whole lot of work at all. I love Sophie to death. I really do. I view her as my own and treat her like so, which has been perfectly okay and completely encouraged by my in-laws and husband and me and Sophie have an amazing bond. This Christmas, we're supposed to be going to California to go visit my extended in-laws with Sophie, my two daughters, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-in-law, and two brothers-in-law so that the girls can meet their great grandma and all of their cousins around the same age. The plan is to go there and stay at John's great-grandma's house because she had just moved into a huge house with multiple rooms, and I've been excited and planning for this trip with my husband and girls for a while. While yesterday, I was hanging out with my mother-in-law grocery shopping, and she casually mentions that Emma is planning on coming on the trip, but nothing has been set in stone. I ask questions about living arrangements. She's supposed to be staying with all of us in John's great-grandma's house. John knew nothing about this, by the way. I get upset, and I tell her I'm not okay with that, and it feels disrespectful to bring her with us to the... to stay in the same house as John's wife and expect us to act like a happy little family when this is not her family anymore and never will be. And I understand she's Sophie's mom, but that's all she is. Nothing more, nothing less. And if she's going to bring her along, then me and my two girls won't go. Instantly, my mother-in-law snaps at me that I'm a selfish, ungrateful bitch and have no right to put them in that situation and she's as much family as I am, which I do not agree with and we just argued until she took me home and things have been tense since. I am in no way trying to get in the way of Sophie and Emma's relationship and I'm not trying to replace Emma. We get along now but there were problems in the past of her not giving John his court ordered parenting time which is why I'm so adamant about her not coming for Christmas. John has never been allowed to have Sophie for Christmas until this year when we kept threatening court so she finally buckled down and I just don't think it's right for her to impose that way when it's the first year having her. I also think it's straight disrespectful to treat me and her like we are the same. She is John's past. I feel that she is not the one married to John, so she is not part of John's family. So am I the asshole for telling my mother-in-law if my husband's baby mama goes on vacation with us, then I will not go. Edit. My husband fully agrees with me and says he wouldn't be comfortable with her going either and he will not go either if his mom is going to let her impose on his first Christmas with his daughter and get in the way of his court-ordered parenting time. Edit. Christmas vacation is our court-ordered time. On all odd years, we're supposed to get the first half of Christmas break, which is the first 11 days, and that's when the trip is. That's like John asking to go on their trip to Miami this summer with Emma's mom and grandma. It's not right, and it's imposing on specific time that was set out for us. Final edit, we talked to John's great-grandma, and she had no idea these plans were in place, and she's not happy about it. So it seems that mother-in-law and Emma planned this with nobody else's approval. She was on my side, saying it was disrespectful, and she's not going to let her impose on John's first Christmas with Sophie. She thinks it's weird Emma even wants to come in the first place, so she is not letting that happen. I'm honestly relieved. Thank you all for the judgment. Most of you said I'm not the asshole, and it makes me feel good to be validated. I appreciate you all so 
much. Okay, this one took a little bit of a ride. So I, I think that personally, mother-in-law here is allowed to have a relationship with her granddaughter's mother. I think that's perfectly okay. I think having a relationship is fine. I think working with her to subvert plans for dad to finally get some Christmas time alone with her is horseshit. I think trying to bring her along on this trip with the rest of the family is problematic. And if everybody was a big kumbaya, happy family, it wouldn't be a big deal. But there are known issues here. And she hid it from people. Like no one else knew. It slipped out whenever they were shopping. And this is where this ball started rolling about it being a conflict and it being the drama. The one thing I would love to know that I do not know from reading this story is who made the request. Was this Emma? Was this Emma's mom saying, I want to go? Or was this mother-in-law saying, I would like for you to go? Because that would drastically change the situation here. Either way, LP's question here is, Am I the asshole for telling my mother-in-law if my husband's baby mama goes on vacation with us, then I will not go? Not the asshole. NTA in my book here. Not the asshole because there's known drama. It's not one of those situations where everybody's a big happy family and can do this kind of thing. There are families like that. You guys may have a family like that where blended family parents can go do things together. This ain't one of them. The same one of them. And mother-in-law was the only one who wanted that to happen. No one else did. Not even great-grandma who owns the house they were going to stay in knew. So mother-in-law in this case, or and or Emma's mom in this case, are the assholes for trying to plan this without telling anyone. Not even great-grandma whose house they were going to. Now, how big of assholes would they be? I think we have to know who initiated the request to really know how big of an asshole they are and why they were wanting to come. And again, I think it's perfectly fine for, for a mo the mother-in-law to have a relationship with her granddaughter's mother. That's completely fine. It can't be done in a way that harms the relationship with her son's wife and her other grandbaby's mom. It's complicated. I get it. And from the mom's perspective, I'm sure it's even more delicate because she wants to have a good direct relationship with Emma's mom so that she can have direct access to her. I understand that. But also, she can't do it to the detriment of all the other relationships that she had. That's what she's on the verge of doing here. So, ill-advised. Ill-advised. If mother-in-law requested Emma's mom come on this trip, that would make her an ass con one. If Emma's mom requested to come on this trip and mother-in-law was trying to find a way to make it happen, maybe not quite an ask on one, probably a two though. It's interesting. I wish we knew who made the request or maybe they're just, maybe it was both of their ideas. We could just treat them as, uh, as accomplices to each other here. They've had trouble getting time, getting the Christmas time that they're supposed to get per the quarter document, which by the way, if you're having trouble with that, that's a legal issue. Like there has to be a reason for a deviation from the plan. And if there is deviation from the plan, then whoever caused that deviation is going to get in trouble. So that's a legal issue. But it sounds like they already went through the battle on that to make sure that they secured the time that they were supposed to have with his daughter for Christmas. <laughs> and lo and behold, oh, she's going to come on the trip too. Wow. This is surprising. Can't believe it. Oh my goodness. So yeah, it could be a control thing and mother-in-law could just be trying to keep that, that relationship with Emma's mom open so that she can have direct access to. So essentially she's mom's like a double agent here. That's what's going on. Mom is a double agent. You know what? Let's do it. Let's send both mother-in-law and Emma's mom straight to ask on one because the more we talk about it, the more complex this gets and it requires them both being in cahoots and 
trying to exercise control by the one time that dad is supposed to get Christmas with her and finally gets Christmas with her. Oh, her mom just shows up on the trip. Oh, wow. Look at that. Would you just look at that? Would you just look at it? And mother-in-law is the one trying to advocate to make it happen. So you're both shit. Sorry. Do better. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again with yet another AITA story for you. This one is Am I the Astronaut for Lying to My Mother-in-Law About the Gender of Our Baby After She Promised to Keep It a Secret? Oh, this uh, seems maniacal, doesn't it? I didn't really want a gender reveal party, but my husband's family made a big deal about it, so I agreed. My mother-in-law was convinced that I knew the gender and insisted I tell her. I totally didn't, and I told her that fact. She wore me down after a month of bothering me about it. She begged me and promised that she wouldn't tell anyone. This was all in texts. I told her it was a girl. I figured it was a 50-50 chance, and it would get her off my back. Well, she lied. She did not keep it a secret. When we cut the cake to reveal a blue inside, there was a really awkward silence. She had told literally all of the guests from her side of the family so they could bring appropriate gifts, and she knew it was a girl. I'd be like... Y'all, I got an announcement to make. This is shocking. This is shocking news. Y'all ain't gonna believe it. Cheryl can't keep her secret. <gasps> no, 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 no. Say it ain't so, Cheryl. Say it ain't so. It's so. My friends and family quickly gathered around to congratulate us on our son. She came over and hissed at me. <laughs> Wait, she hissed? Like, like a cat? She came over and hissed at me that I made her look stupid. You made me look stupid. Sorry, I can't, I can't not do it. I reminded her that she had promised not to tell anyone. She said she had never promised, so I showed her our text conversation. Boom! Oh, oh Grandma's like, I used to be able to pull this shit off before text messages. Now there's evidence for everything. Some of her family were right there when I did it, so they heard her admit that she lied and never intended to keep that promise. She said that it was a dick move and that I only did it to embarrass her. I again reminded her that I had told her on multiple occasions that I didn't know the gender. My husband wants me to apologize to keep the peace. I probably will, but I don't think I was an asshole like she seems to think. Candy Thunder included the top comment for us here. It is NTA, she embarrassed herself. I'm sorry you embarrassed yourself by lying is about the only apology I'd be willing to give. I'm going to agree on NTA here. When people get exposed... Of course they get pissed off about getting exposed. How do you want them to react? You want her to be like, Oh, you know what? You're right. I lied. I had no intention of keeping that secret. I went straight to everyone that I have on my smartphone and I just told them all the same message. I didn't even copy paste. I just manually wrote the whole thing 27 times. I had no intention of keeping that secret at all. And I can see why... You would expect me to because I did, plain as day, say that I promised not to tell anyone, but of course you know me better than that. I did not expect, though, the turntables that you put on me by telling me that it was a girl when you did not know. And here I've made myself look like a fool and I have been exposed. Thank you so much for 
teaching me a valuable lesson. Is that how we really expected her to react? Of course she's going to flip her shit. Of course she's going to be pissed off. People, when they get exposed, get mad at the person who exposed them. That's completely reasonable. Not saying it's the right thing, but it's what we would expect to happen. You would expect the person who gets exposed to get pissed at the person who exposed them. So that would be the apology. I'm sorry that I exposed you, you heinous bitch. I should write that. That should be, I should come out with a line of greeting cards that are like apologies for exposing someone or apologies for shitty situations where um, it's like a forced apology and not a real one at all. I'm sorry for exposing you. I'm sorry for exposing what a lying hag you are. Sorry for exposing that you're a shit person. We can do this. We can come out with a line of greeting cards. I have checked, and our, our DustyThunderSwag.com site does not have greeting cards as an option. We could come up with our own, though. This could, You could get, like, a kit of, like, five of them together, and it's just random. Random! Cake was weaponized to expose the mother-in-law. And as far as weaponized cake goes, I'm okay with it. I know I've said before, you don't use kids and you don't use cake. But in this way, this is okay. I completely advocate for using cake to expose someone who is a liar. Completely okay with that. Cake can be used for malicious intent as long as it's good form. We'll put it that way. The silence, once they cut into the cake, where like this whole side of the room who already thought it was a girl because grandma told him that is like, oh, well, shit. You know how much pain and extra work she caused so many people because she couldn't keep her flipping mouth shut because now all these people have to return these gifts. Or maybe they put all of that on OP. There's a good question. OP, everybody brought girl gifts that grandma told here. And if you have to be the one to go exchange those, no apology necessary at all. No apology necessary, period. But for real and for sure, no apology if you have to do the extra work for her lie. If she went and told a bunch of people something that was incorrect that she promised not to tell, and that creates a whole bunch of extra work for you, you're the only one who gets to be pissed. And actually, I would kind of put all that work on her and be like, okay, here's this trunk load of items and a list of all the shit that has to be returned or exchanged because, you know, you lied and told people something that was inaccurate. So get to it. This is going to be enough pain to create change. Whenever you say something like, I don't know, maybe she'll actually believe you instead of being like, oh, I know that you know. I know that you know that. You're just not telling us, but you'll tell me, won't you? I promise I won't tell anyone. So technically, she didn't use either one of them because really she only used, she used the, the mother's lie against her. That's really the only thing that she used. She allowed the cake to be the messenger here to announce that she was lying. I mean, it could be a big pain in the ass to return all that stuff. So it, I would make mother-in-law do it as punishment for her lie. Turn tables, turning. Hey, we've got another Reddit story for you. This one is actually all over Reddit and a bunch of different subreddits, and it is my mother-in-law was poisoning me, then I found out why. Everyone has their own nightmare in-law story, though I couldn't imagine how bad mine would be. As it turns out, the worst thing wasn't my mother-in-law poisoning me. The worst thing was why she did it. I met Craig on one of my rare vacations. We had sort of a whirlwind relationship. We fell hard for each other and we were married at a courthouse wedding within two months without ever meeting each other's families. Mine visited a few weeks later and after the initial shock, really liked Craig. While we got moved in together and figured out married life, I got to hear more about his parents who lived near the rest of his extended family and a few hours away, though we never saw them. 
My work schedule is rough. I work six to seven days a week, and my off days are a blur of appointments and errands. I think of the two years before I met Craig, I only left the city once. I finally got a few days off so we could head to visit his family about six months later. His whole family came over, and everyone seemed thrilled to meet me, except for his mom, Betsy. She was cold and distant and could sit there without saying a single word to me. It was creepy, but I kept trying to spark up conversation. On our last day, he announced that we should take an afternoon hike up into the national park their house sat on the edge of. Betsy made lunch and I was changing to go out when it hit me, just waves of nausea. I wound up in the bathroom for hours that afternoon. I figured it was just a touch of something and thought nothing of it. We went back a few months later and again had a great time except for Betsy. She wouldn't talk to me, though Craig brushed it off and said she's just getting to know me. He finally said we could rent jet skis the next day and explore a lake in the next town as a way to get out of the house and unwind, which made me feel better. I was so excited to tell everyone that we were going, but it wasn't to be. After eating, I got so sick, I could barely walk for the next two days. At this point, I started to get suspicious. No one else was sick, and we all ate the same food. It seemed like Betsy must have been up to something, but it wasn't until our next visit when a night in a romantic cottage another hour up the road was canceled due to me getting sick that I was sure Betsy was poisoning me. Craig said I was insane. He said it must be an allergy to something his mom used in her cooking, which actually made sense, though I have never had time for an appointment to get it checked out. Still, I decided on the next trip that I'd make a big casserole and bring it with us. If I cooked the food and served it, nothing could be added. Well, I hadn't had two bites before I realized I had left the wine I was drinking unattended while I was heating up the casserole, and my stomach was already doing flips. You know what happened next, and it wasn't pretty. I was so sure his mom was poisoning me, and I confronted Craig about it. I told him I wouldn't visit his family again if she was there. It was our first big fight, but he finally said he wouldn't force me to visit, and we could figure out how to best deal with the situation. She had never been nice to me, so it wasn't a loss. The next time I got off, we decided we'd head to that little cottage we had rented before and not been able to use. We were driving right past his family place and it seemed rude to not stop, so we compromised and bought some pizzas. I even decided just to not drink anything unless it was water from the tap. We got in and threw pizza on our plates when one of his cousins arrived and everyone briefly left the food unattended. I realized my mistake almost immediately and decided to try an experiment. Craig and I both had two slices, so I just switched our plates while everyone was in the next room. Craig was so sick I was really worried about him. The drive to the city was awful. We had to pull off a lot, and he was a mess. We had been back home for three days before I broke down and told him I had switched the plates. I've never seen such anger before. The rage in his eyes is something I'll remember for the rest of my life. He shoved me into a wall, then came flying at me. He threw me over the couch, but somehow I managed to grab my keys and phone and ran out of the door, not even wearing shoes. Wait, why, why would he be pissed at her? No, oh, just wait. Oh, you'll see. I got lucky with the elevator and made it to a friend's place safely, finally turning off my phone after I missed his 47th call. I had no idea what to do or when it would be safe to go home. It was the scariest time of my life. It was two days before I turned my phone back on when I heard the messages from the police. I drove upstate immediately. Craig was dead. Betsy had shot him after he broke into her house and charged at her with a knife. I learned that Craig had been married once before and his wife had died on a tragic hiking accident. Craig made a lot of money in the life insurance payout, and Betsy always suspected Craig had killed her and was nervous about letting him be alone with me, especially out in the remote area he was so familiar with from his childhood. So she ensured that every time he planned an outing that I would be sick. It wasn't easy, but she didn't think I would believe her as no one else had ever shared her suspicions about Craig. 
I found the life insurance policies he took out on me without my knowledge afterwards, and I refused to press charges against Betsy. She was only trying to protect me. I still visit her from time to time when I need to get out of the city. I love her cooking. Holy yeah. plot twist, man. That was very plot twisty. So where I thought it was going is that he was he was enraged that his mother would do this because now it all made sense, and now now he would finally believe her. But yeah, that's that's a huge plot. This is a movie plot. That's what I was going to say. Really is. I was like, Netflix or Lifetime, please. At least a dateline. Like, you just need a dateline out of this. Like, I want to say this story was a couple years old. I can't remember if it was just posted or if it was just like resurrected on, on Reddit. It was not where I thought this story was going. Like no. when I started reading it and I was like, oh, there's some weird shit going down between mother and son, weird mother-in-law, like something's not right. And then, yeah. But I love that wow. she... Uh, still spends time with Betsy like this crazy crazy thing bonded them together yeah. for life and that's like so this is crazy I'm like so did he take out his first wife well obviously clearly it's crazy Ugh. I mean he was trying to do the same stuff with her like oh let's go on a hike up in the mountain that he knows has been on before and like oh let's go out to a jet on jet skis on a lake out in the middle of nowhere and oh hey happen to have these life insurance policies on here too. Like, <laughs> also this is uh, I know narcissist gets thrown around a lot but the whirlwind romance uh, to me says that he fell like he knows how to love hard and get people to fall in love with him. Um, so that he bombs, has control over the situation. Love bombs yes, them love into bombs submission. Them, for sure. Um, so she felt probably like this crazy amount of love coming from this man. And it's hard when you're when you're treated like that not to fall, fall back in love with them. So I don't know. So, okay, here's an interesting possibility. He took out the life insurance policies on her. Without that, take that out of the equation. This very much still could have been a He's enraged that his mother would do this, went to confront her. She killed him, made up the rest of the story to prevent herself from from getting in trouble. Further plot Mm. twists. And what if, take that even a step further, put the life insurance policies back in. She took it out in his name. There's your Netflix. I was going to say now we're we're entering Netflix territory here. It's a double twist. So they they've been friends this whole time, but uh, or she befriended her now, but later finds out that she was doing the poisoning for other reasons. Hmm. And it's like the the five years later. Yeah, that's when she figures out that it's that it actually happened. That it was actually the mom. Yep. This is a movie. Mm-hmm. I think we just just wrote the script. I think we did. That's, I'm down. Yeah, it's wild. You're People welcome, are, Netflix. Yeah. This might be the uh, mother-in-law story that takes the cake. Uh-uh. Hey. See, what yeah. See what you did there. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder, Candy Thunder, and Tony Spark, and we have a special treat for you. 
A standalone AITA story from Reddit. This one is Am I the Asconaut for kicking out our youngest child at 19 so we can sell the house and downsize for our early retirement? My wife and I have three children, 25 female, 22 male, 19 male. We're 45. We've always had the plan to work hard while we're younger and retire early. Thankfully, we've gotten lucky in life and we're now in a position to do that with our savings. The two oldest kids have moved out now and it's just the youngest who still lives at home. We have a four bedroom that's in a more rural area which is a big empty house for just us and our son. The plan is to downsize, sell the house, and move to some small place in the city. We hope to travel a lot so we don't need a huge place. We decided to sell the house in a few months. Our son isn't happy about that, even less so when he couldn't convince us to take him with us. He says it's unfair that his siblings got to live at home until after college and he has to leave now. We've offered to pay first and last in security on any place he finds, but he thinks a few months notice wasn't enough to give him time to move and look for a job. I reminded him that he was lucky to have a good childhood with plenty of luxury and that even paying to get him settled is a kindness. He accused us of prioritizing our retirement over his well-being and said that we're lucky to be able to retire at all. He took it even further and got his siblings involved. They supported him to my surprise. They think we should either be fair and wait another couple of years or take him with us. When we didn't back down, our daughter said he could fly over to her house to stay there, despite sharing a one-bedroom with her partner and our grandfather. I think it's insane that they expect us to put our lives on hold for years just to allow him to live with us, but none of the kids have been talking to us much. So I guess they're united against us. Our oldest son even said that when he gets a place of his own, he lives with roommates right now, that we won't be able to come to stay there when we visit. So the original question is, am I the astronaut for kicking out our youngest child at 19 so we can sell the house and downsize for our early retirement? 19. Huge assholes. Straight to ask on one. This just pisses me off. You you do put your life on hold to have kids, and that doesn't stop because doesn't this stop. kid is 19. Right. Like, he just became a legal adult one year ago, and you're just, well, we decided we're done. We no longer want to raise our kids or be there for them in any way, shape, or form. Well, I feel like especially with, you know, it's not like they did that to all the other kids, like all the other kids, like, Oh, at 18, like, yeah, you're on your own. Like all the other, the other two kids got to live there and it was no problem. And now it's like, Oh, well we decided we're ready to retire. This they're, is, they're only 45 too. So I mean, I mean, retire, but allow your son to live with you're you. You're telling me you're going to go from a four bedroom house and you're going to what, get a studio apartment. Like you're at least going to have a two bedroom house that they're right. downsizing to. And you can't let the kids stay in one of them. Well, something that the son said here, change things for me a little bit because he says a few months isn't enough notice for him to give to give him time to move and look for a job so he doesn't have a job right now and if they're kicking someone out expecting them to fend for themselves even if they're going to pay the first month's last rent and the security deposit yeah, how's he going to pay for his rent and his yeah. utilities and his bills and all that stuff if he's you know he's what a freshman in college probably then or about to be a sophomore in college right like it takes time to spool yeah, up you know, that just, amount yeah. of support. Those are the kind of jobs that you get most of the time are summer type jobs that you're going to have in between going to school. And right. like, yeah, and it's I not mean, very fair to him at all. Did they give him the security that he was going to be able to say that he didn't need a job, that he could concentrate on his education, and then they just ripped it out from underneath? Correct. Him? So in, in this case, they, you know, if, if this were a married couple, this would be, this would be an alimony thing because it's like you've provided this amount of Ooh. security for someone and if you just rip that away, you have to at least supplement that lifestyle that that they depended on you for. In this case, 
it should have started a year out and been like, hey, this is our target to do this on around this time next year. You have plenty of time to start working, accruing money to get ready for this because it's not just the rent he's going to have to pay for. He's going to have to pay for furniture. He's going to have to pay for his own food. He's going to have to pay for everything that he's used to being provided right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and while they don't have like a legal obligation to provide those things for him, they do have to give him enough time to prepare. And three months is an oh shit amount of time to to get a job, get enough work history underneath your belt so that when you actually put in a rental application, they'll approve it. Yeah. Like there are a lot of things that have to happen in a very short amount of time here. The and, time is is my problem. And depending on when this was, like if he's on summer break or he's on something from school, like three months is his summer. Like he, he how, how's he supposed to get a job and then go right back to school? And right. like, depending on where he's at yeah. and where he's going to go to school, like, I, yeah. Yeah. I, people that think that parenting stops at 18, uh, really, it really bothers me. Yeah. I mean, it'd be different if the kid was like 30 and didn't have a job and lived in the basement and didn't like do anything, but like, he's not, he's in college. Like he's, he's he's still a baby. Yeah. He's still a kid. It's the, the sudden decision here is what confuses me. It's like how, how and why did they decide to do this so quickly instead of planning ahead? If this was their plan all, all along, one year ago should have been the time to say to him, hey, you need to get a job now. Because all of this is coming your way, whether you like it right. or not. But yeah, they just suddenly decided to retire. Like, oh, you hit a certain number in your savings and you're like, okay, we're done. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Retire. Or the like, real, estate, real estate market like, might have... Like the value of their home might have dictated to them, like mm. this was the time to and, sell. And that's true too. But okay, sell the house and downsize a little bit. You don't have to go. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you can still downsize and get the most out of your property, sell it, buy something else a little bit smaller and live in that for a couple of years and then sell that. Like, or downsize and rent until you find that place in yeah. the city that you're really wanting. Um, they also said that they were surprised that their older two kids didn't agree with them, that they agreed with the youngest son. I'm like, how how can you be surprised? I don't think there's anybody in this world who would agree that this is appropriate. Well, and I think it I think it shows that the other kids are also agreeing, like, hey, this isn't fair. Like, we got all the oper- like you gave us, you know, we got to live with you until we were done mm-hmm. with school. We got all the this stuff, and now you're just telling him, like, hey, you've got three months and then you're out. Like, yeah, that's yeah. that's not fair. It's the time. The the amount of time that they didn't give is what makes them yeah. ask on ones here. It, they they have to if they put themselves in his shoes they and they're probably looking at this saying well hell he's been spoiled all this time he hasn't had to work yeah. he's had a place to live he's had free food yeah but they did that you've allowed him to get used to that yeah. and the shock of changing that is going to be difficult <laughs> they're deciding to sacrifice the relationships with their kids so that they can travel and have fun yeah yes and it's like okay you can't why not say okay how about six months or how about a year yeah like a year from now a year and I, again it may be like you said the real estate like Hey, this is our house is worth this now. We can get the most amount of money out of this and then we can rent like okay, that that's fine, but there's other solutions to this than just telling the kid, sorry. Yeah. Right. And all they were willing to give him was first and last month's rent. Yeah, like I would it, deposit. I mean, they could have been like, "Hey, we'll help you out with rent until you find a job, until, you know, right. until you're secure, like, yeah. You know. Okay, he gets a job, that's great. Well, he's going to have to move, get an apartment, get a job probably not get paid for the first two weeks of that job. Who knows what kind of job he's going to get. It's going to be probably an entry level job. And then all of a sudden he's going to have all these bills and all these things to pay. Like, You're yeah, just, that rent still, that rent's going to come. That utility bill is going to come. The Like it's still all going to like, you're, you're just not giving him enough time to, I think, to do what he needs to do. 
if your daughter who has a one bedroom apartment is willing to take him in, knowing that that's going to be an extreme burden on her family, you have to know that you're in the wrong. Yeah. She's got a one bedroom with a baby. Yes. And is saying, oh, um, yeah, he can stay with us because you're not going to do anything. To help yes. Him. Yeah. I can foresee some comments calling this son entitled right now because he's grown accustomed to this. He's had everything handed to him. Supposedly, we don't know all of that, but but based on the story, I think you can derive that he has been provided for completely. And he he may be entitled, but but they've allowed him, they created the system where he relied on right. and got used to that support. And the parenting fail part of this is the is the shock of change, not preparing your child for the shock of change. And just forcing it upon them is the parenting fail on this. It's not. It's not that he's entitled. It is not that they provided this for him. It's. It's that they are just so quickly pulling everything away. And, and I think with the yeah, there may be some entitlement there. But again, the expectation was there based on the precedent you set with the other two kids. Right. Of yeah, this is something we're going to do. And right. who knows? They've probably had conversations with them saying, yeah, there's no need to move out. There's like there's no rush. Like you're good until you get out of college or any of that. And now it's like, oh well, we decided to retire. So. Right. Like, yeah, they've set that. They, he may be entitled and spoiled or whatever else, but they've set that precedent for their other kids. Right? I don't know that this is any different than the story that was posted today about Bitchy Crocker evicting the 18-year-old once she graduated high school. And Like, oh, you're an adult, you're on your own. Yeah, like, you're on your on. own. I mean, yes, um, there were different circumstances leading up to that, but, I mean, it's the same it's kind of the same thing, right. kicking them out just because they're legally legally. Yes, you can keep you can kick them out. They don't have the right to stay there once they're an adult. But morally, I mean, this is wrong. It's your kid. Yeah. Hey, Dusty Thunder here, and I wanted to thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that content. And if you did, please make sure to like, subscribe, and most importantly, share. Also, you can find swag and so much more at dusty-thunder.com, and you'll find even more content on all of our platforms. We're on TikTok, YouTube. We now have an official Facebook page that we'll be posting stories to as well. We have podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and so much more. You can see all of our content platforms on Linktree, which is linked in my bio. Engage with us wherever you're enjoying content and do your best to avoid the astronauts today. Thanks again.